Hello, everybody, and welcome to the X Factor with the Crypto Hipster. This is your host, Jamil Hassan, the Crypto Hipster, and this is the X Factor episode 50-5-0, season three, episode 10 for the week of July 24 through what's today, July 28. And uh, today's episode is, you know, crypto news, insights, and analysis, of course, from around the world, which I always do. But today's a humdinger. There's just so much to talk about today. It's July. It's the last week in July. And there's so much to talk about where there wasn't earlier in the year, some weeks where I had to grasp straws. This week, I had to turn articles away. I had to turn news away. I was like, this is too, this is too much, you know? And it's going to be a, a decent episode today. You know, it's going to be pretty, pretty solid. And always, you know, I start out with global news. Okay, global. So let's talk about, I don't know. Let's talk about the, a global report. Every year, Binance, the one of the other leading exchanges in the world comes out with their um, semi-annual report and they highlight the, you know, what's going on in the news around the world and what's going on in the trends and the market analysis and all this stuff from, you know, from the halfway point of the year. So Binance this week put out their report for the first half of 2023. Now they say that the crypto market has shown tremendous resilience, you know, with the crypto market cap ending in the period the whole entire half year period in positive territory. You know, what drives that? Why is that? You know, um, it's a Bitcoin market dominance ended the half year at its highest level since April 2021. While its year to date price performance of over 80% significantly outperformed many common TradFi investments, it's not hard to to outperform TradFi, but Bitcoin's correlation with TradFi, traditional finance, is now at a multi-year low. Ordinals and inscriptions have reverberated throughout the wider Bitcoin ecosystem with new energy, new fervor, new everything, and Binance expects to see continued development and innovation in the next few months. Uh, L1s, level layer one blockchains, had an eventful first half. Ethereum's liquid staking reached um, new highs, and BNB chain focused on scalability. Solana bounced back after a tumultuous 2022 and released a Web3 phone, while Tron, uh, Tron's tether dominance continued to grow. Avalanche progressed on subnets and corporate partnerships, and Cosmos advanced on shared economic security models. Um, the ZK world reached new heights with the launch of first fully functional ZK EVMs. Many major players laid out their future visions, converging around the idea of networks of blockchains, superchains, hyperchains, multi-chains, many chains, you name it, multiple super L3s, you name it. There was a 7% decline in global stablecoin market value. But shifts in adoption trends, regulatory landscapes, and approaches adopted by certain players have reshaped the sector's market composition. Among these changes, Tether has experienced a remarkable 25.8% increase in market share to date. Remarkable is their word, not mine. 
Notable developments have emerged in DeFi. Let's see, what are they? Attributed to, to ascent of liquid staking, which has become the largest subsector, along with increasing migration of users towards decentralized exchanges. While the sector continues to unlock newer cases, DeFi, uh, DeFi's dominance experienced a 0.5% decline compared, compared to the global crypto market. So we're not in DeFi summer 2.0 yet, although there are signs that we could be. You know, let's see. NFTs, NFTs experienced higher trading volume in the first half compared to half two 2022. Um, largely driven by heightened activity on the blur marketplace in the earlier part of the year. However, NFTs have underperformed the broad crypto market as the floor prices of many NFT collections have declined. Gaming tokens have largely edged higher in price throughout the first half, benefiting from the broader market recovery. Currently, more than 67% of games are built on BNB chain, Ethereum, and Polygon. The first half extended a decline in overall crypto deal activities with a fall in venture capital funding. We're going to talk about a venture capitalist a little bit later. A clear area of interest has surfaced, they say, with infrastructure sector attracting the most investments, followed by gaming and entertainment, and then DeFi. All right. Thank you, Binance, for an amazing report. Well, let me know your thoughts. Where you, Do you agree with Binance? Where you do you not agree with Binance? And then we're going to go talk about America, America, A-M-E-R-I-K-K-A or M-E-A-M-E-R-I-C-A. You know what I mean. What kind of America is it? The U.S. Senate. Let's talk about the U.S. Senate. And we're not going to talk about how Mitch McConnell froze at the podium and why. There's lots to talk about why. But we're not going to talk about why. We're talking about the U.S. Senate in general. The U.S. Senate has approved a national defense bill. Why does that matter in crypto? It also targets crypto mixers. That's how. Okay. So the Senate passed the 2024 National Defense Authorization Act, NDAA, worth $886 billion on July 27, yesterday. The bill includes a provision targeting crypto mixers anonymity enhancing coins and institutions engaging in crypto trading. The NDAA is a bill that helps authorize how the country's defense department can utilize federal funding. Within the bill, a crypto-related amendment was advanced by a group of senators, including Cynthia Lummis, Elizabeth Warren, Kirsten Gillibrand, and Roger Marshall. The amendment was created with provisions taken from the Digital Asset Anti-Mundry Laundering Act from back in 2022 and the Responsible Financial Innovation Act, which aims to establish guardrails to prevent another FTX-style event from happening within the industry. That's smart. Sounds like a good idea. Let's see. Specifically, the amendment will require establishing examination standards for crypto. This would help a assess risk, and ensure that businesses comply with related sanctions and money laundering laws. Sounds like a good idea. Let me know how your thought is, what your thoughts are and how it's going to be rolled out. How's it going to go? You know, um, we have a tendency in the U.S. To, to bury certain things in major bills and then deal with ramifications later. And sometimes they have 
lasting effects. Um, and those effects aren't so good. Um, but, you know, this might be good. And it was bipartisan because Warren and Lummis worked on it. You know, so that means they collaborated. So, hey, let me know your thoughts on how it's going to be, what you expect, what you want to look out for. Let's talk about something entirely different. Grayscale. Oh, boy. Grayscale. Grayscale urges the SEC to approve all Bitcoin ETFs simultaneously. That's smart. That's a good suggestion. Let's see what they say. Crypto fund manager Grayscale is urging the SEC to approve all proposed spot Bitcoin ETFs at the same time to avoid one having an advantage. Uh, in a post uh, by Craig Thalm, their chief legal officer, Grayscale, uh, argued the SEC shouldn't pick winners and losers instead of make a fair and orderly decision. The letter claimed the SEC could approve the spot ETFs based on its approvals for Bitcoin futures ETFs, saying the two fund types are inextricably linked. Grayscale added recent surveillance sharing agreements between Coinbase and spot ETF providers are not a new idea and claimed they would not meet the SEC standards. Okay. ETFs filings from Invesco, BlackRock, Valkyrie, Vanek, Wisdom, Fidelity, and ARK Invest were recently updated to include SSAs with Coinbase. Let me ask you. Last week, I made a prediction. I'm sticking by my prediction. I love Gay- Grayscale's request. I like it. I think it's fair. However, this is the U.S. And boomers in the 1% are friends of boomers in the 1%. And those 1%ers include... BlackRock and Fidelity. And so my prediction is that BlackRock and Fidelity will be approved because of favoritism and corruption, and the others won't. That's my prediction. I wish I could be wrong. I want to be wrong. I gladly will accept being absolutely 100% wrong, and I'm happy if I am. But my prediction is it's going to be BlackRock and Fidelity, and I hope to God it's everybody. You know? So, you know. And I've been watching. I've been watching how these people operate for the past decade and a half. And uh, you know, I have friends who left AIG and went to BlackRock, and I wish them well. I do. And do I know anybody at Fidelity? I know a couple of people at Fidelity, and I like them. I wish them well. But you know, when the government handed out money a couple of years ago, when they printed money like wow, they handed it to certain people, and other people they said didn't exist. I was just one of those people the government told didn't exist. You know, um, so. I don't know. I've seen I've seen uh, backdoor deals, and I've seen favoritisms, and I've seen friends, and I've seen everyone in one percent. And hopefully, I'm wrong. So let me know your thoughts. You know, I hope it's everybody. Grayscale, kudos to you, man. Even though, you know, you got some issues with Genesis right now. But hey, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about. I promised you we're gonna talk about VCs. Sequoia, the biggest VC, right? Sequoia slashed its crypto fund by 66% after the industry collapsed in a report. The venture capital giant Sequoia Capital reportedly downsized its cryptocurrency fund from $585 million to $200 million amid a liquidity crunch and a pivot away towards smaller crypto players. 
According to a, a Wall Street Journal report this week, Thursday, the tech-focused VC firm told investors in March it would reduce its Sequoia crypto fund, along with its ecosystem fund, to better reflect changed market conditions. Okay, The crypto fund will now focus more on backing early-stage startups given the recent crypto industry turmoil that took away many of the opportunities to back larger companies. Another motive behind this cut is to lower the capital threshold and thus the barrier to entry for investors to partake in Sequoia's fund offerings, according to the Wall Street reports, to sources. And let's see. We made these changes to sharpen our focus on seed stage opportunities and to provide liquidity to our limited partners, Sequoia said in remarks to the Financial Times. The firm added a head return more than, one, more than $15 billion to investors over the past three years. So you're going to focus on ICOs, huh? Okay. You're going to focus on real early stage, stage seed. I've done that. I did that back in 2017 and 18 during the ICO craze. And, uh, you know, it didn't work out well for me. But resilience, you know, it's all about resilience. And can you be resilient? And, you know, they're the best VC in the country, it so says. It so says the article. It so says and other people on Twitter said, I didn't say, I don't know them. Um, but, you know, I'm going to leave my judgment out the door. I just wish them well in that early stage seating space because I'm not going to get into it again. Good luck. Um, and uh, Godspeed to you. What are the minute thoughts? How are they going to be in that successful space? How are they going to go? What's it going to be? SEC. Back to the SEC, of course. We like to talk about them on the show. The SEC chief accountant warns accountants about liabilities when auditing crypto firms. Paul Munter, the chief accountant of the U.S. SEC, has released a statement warning accounting firms of their obligations to the agency when working with crypto firms. Allowing their findings to be misrepresented could have serious consequences. Crypto firms may engage accountants to perform some sort of review of certain parts of their businesses, often presented as a purported audit, and falsely present the work as being comparable to a financial statement audit, Munter wrote. Doing so is not only misleading, but it can have legal liability. Accounting firms have a legal obligation under the SEC Act of 1934 to look for illegal activities and report them to the SEC. Munzer said, material misstatement by accountants or their clients could violate both the Security Exchange Act and the Securities Act of 1933, 90 years ago, the geriatric bill, resulting in a censure or suspension of the firm. Those provisions can also be applied to individuals who have been paying taxes for 90 years. Wow, okay. Munter advised accounting firms to consider these issues during client onboarding and to consider contractual prohibitions on certain language. Uh, yeah. So if you're an accountant, are you afraid of that? Or you, what are you going to do? You know, let me know your thoughts on how that's going to go. And then let's talk about, we talked about the Senate. Let's talk about the house, the house in your house, in your hat. What happened in the house? Pro-crypto bill passes out of U.S. House Agricultural Committee. 
Okay, we're gonna do some farming here. Let's go. Okay, tact was pervasive in the U.S. House of Representatives Agricultural Committee's consideration of the Financial Innovation and Technology for the 21st Century Act on July 27, with many references to bipartisanship and self-congratulatory mentions of the members' cooperation and hard work. The committee plowed through a series of amendments calmly and quickly. The bill, co-written by Republican members of the Agricultural Committee and Financial Services Committee, seeks to create a comprehensive regulatory framework for digital assets. It was debated uh, by other bills, and then ranking member David Scott introduced the Democrats' concern, claiming consumer protections need to be strengthened in the bill. It does not provide for third-party auditing. Oh, we just had the SEC talk about auditing. Now, this bill doesn't provide for auditing. You know, um, yeah, funding for the CFTC was not increased in line with new authorities. The bill would give it. Although it was later pointed out the bill provides the CFTC with a minimum level of funding requested by the chair. All right. Sounds legalese, political ease, uh, crazy ease, whatever ease it is, cheese. I don't know. Let me know your thoughts, how that's going to go. And then I feel like I feel like circular topics today, and I should have put this in better order because I talked about ICOs. I talked about Sequoia. And now we're saying block one. Block one ICO damages are far beyond 22 million, according to the ENF founder. The latest legal action against block one the creator and original seller of EOS could potentially help plaintiffs get higher compensation. According to EOS Network Foundation, ENF, founder Yves LaRose. On July 25th, LaRose officially announced that ENF is preparing a lawsuit against Block One for its failure to follow through on its $1 billion following a $4.1 billion raise in 2018. The CEO argued that Block One's broken promises to invest $1 billion caused the major issues for the EOS community, a promise to hold the firm accountable. Many investors have already been part of another class action against Block One. A number of those might need to opt out of their current lawsuits, LaRose said. Wow. Ooh, he added that opting out of an old class lawsuit could result in obtaining a higher payout, but could result in receiving nothing. Sounds like a fun time over there at Block One. Let me know your thoughts, how that's going to go. And let's go, let's talk about this. Okay. Let's talk about WorldCoin. WorldCoin launched on Monday. Okay. And they are saying that WorldCoin is struggling to find new users willing to scan their irises for crypto. Okay. The controversial crypto project WorldCoin was launched Monday, making way for customers to scan their irises, their eyeballs, at design locations in 20 countries and receive 20 WLD coins, which is about 50 bucks, 55 bucks. The project debuted on the back of 2 million pre signups, but interest seems to have faded, faded following the actual launch. On the first day, users seemed excited, with Hong Kong seeing the highest number of signups. The city 
offered three designated spots called orbs, where users have their irises scanned and are offered a world ID. According to a report published by the South China Morning Post, the three designated locations in Hong Kong each saw about 200 signups on the first day for a total of 600. Uh, Hertham Huang, who co-founded a company um, operating one of the orbs, said that the total number of signups accounted for half the total number uh, that WorldCoin saw in this, all its new markets. With the 600 signups represented nearly half of the new registrations, total first-day signups can be estimated at 1,200. I don't have a problem with identity. Okay, I'm the author of Blockchain Ethics, a book that I wrote in 2018, long before MIT's took MIT took it as their own IP, even though it wasn't it was mine. Even though they stole, you know, even though they taught courses on it and said they were the first to do it, they didn't. I wrote a book on it. Why is blockchain ethics important? And I might have to do a reboot. Why? The investors in WorldCoin, Sam Bankman-Fried, Three Hours Capital, other known criminals have invested in this project, okay? And this project was launched on Binance and outside of the U.S. Though the companies in the U.S., it was launched outside of the U.S., so you have, you know, these criminal investors. You have a company that skirted around U.S. regs. So they're going to do reg A, reg B, reg C, reg D. They might have done reg F, which is a failure. And then, you know, get it out there to the rest of the world, not U.S. And then, you know, to skirt or may perhaps skirt regulations. Who knows? Who knows? You know, by questionable, you know, well, Sam Altman, 35, Sam Altman, um, and these other investors who, you know, were on the run or caused the collapse of the industry, now want to capture your eyeballs. They want to get the data on your eyeballs. To me, that doesn't add up to one plus one is two, right? That, uh, that doesn't add up at all from a, I don't know, a values, ethics, moral standpoint. Um, from a business standpoint, yeah. But from a a ethics perspective, I got to question that, you know, I, ha I mean, I'm not the only question questioning it, but since I'm the blockchain ethics guy, since I am the person who coined the phrase, I have to question that, you know, if that is true or not. So, you know, eh, let me know your thoughts on this perspective, because to me, fish, things that smell like fish usually are fish, you know? So, let me know your thoughts. And, you know, I'm not pointing names. I'm not naming points. I'm not, you know, saying you guys are, you know, skirting the law or whatever you're going to do. But to me, the way this went down, you know, just a launch, a launch outside, you know, have criminals want your eyeballs, data from you personally. It just doesn't sit right. But let me know your thoughts. And, uh, you know, how is that project going to be? Can they clean up? Can they clean it up? Can they explain themselves? You know, uh, I don't know. Um, so I'm asking you, my audience, if you have any thoughts, SEC adopts cyber attack disclosure rules and listed crypto firms are included in that. Holy bro. Um, 
Coinbase, Marathon Digital, and Riot Blockchain are among the SEC Commission registered cryptocurrency firms that need to comply with rules. Public companies in the U.S., including listed crypto firms, will be required to disclose any major cybersecurity incidents within a four-day time window under the new rules adopted by the U.S. Securities Regulator. The rules from the U.S. Securities Exchange Commission require any public company to disclose a cyber attack within four days. That makes sense. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Of being deemed immaterial, except in cases where such disclosure is deemed a possible national security or public safety risk. That makes sense. You know, that actually makes sense to me. The rules have been adopted as of yesterday and will become effective 30 days following the publication of adopting releases in the Federal Register, according to the SEC. It will also require periodic reporting about a registration's, a registration's policies and procedures to identify and manage cybersecurity risk and give periodic updates about previously reported cybersecurity incidents. Let me know your thoughts. Is that smart? Is that wise? What's going on? Um, and... Um, Let's go to Canada. I got one more piece of news in North America before we can go across the pond. Canada proposes new capital rules for crypto holdings. Canada's financial watchdog is preparing, proposing changes to its capital and liquidity approach to crypto assets. According to the Office of the Superintendent of Financial Institutions, OSFI, the proposed rules will simplify institutions' approach to perceived crypto risks defining four categories of crypto assets and their capital treatment. OSFI is opening a public consultations on two draft guidelines until September 20th. Uh, one affects federally registered deposit-taking institutions, such as banks and credit unions. The other addresses regulatory capital treatment of crypto asset exposure for insurers. How's it going to go? Let me know your thoughts. How's, it gonna, how's that going to work? Uh, some of you care. Now, Canada. Right, let's go. Europe. Going to Europe. And uh, we're just talking about WorldCoin. And we're in France now. France. French privacy watchdog questions WorldCoin's data collection method. <gasps> They're questioning it. Just like I questioned it. The French Data Protecting Agency, also called the Commission Nationale Informitique and Libertés, the C-N-I-L, is reporting questioning the legality of data collection methods conducted by WorldCoin. According to a Reuters report, the legality of this collection seems questionable, as do the conditions for storing biometric data. Um, CNIL also stated that it initiated investigations and has been supporting the efforts of the Bavarian State Authority in Germany with this investigation into the subject matter. They're being investigated by France, by Germany. The blockchain ethics guy here is questioning that. Uh, and data regulators in the UK are as well. Uh, WorldCoin are going to face inquiries from data regulators in the UK. Um, yeah. Yeah. You just came out and you just came out and said, hey, this is what we're doing. And, you know, everybody's going to question you. So how's it going to go? Let me know your thoughts on France. I prefer Le Royale with cheese. And if my friend Royale with cheese is listening, I just wanted to make that plug for you, buddy. Thanks. Crypto payment gateway coins paid suspects the Lazarus Group in a $37 million hack. 
Crypto payments platform CoinSpade has pointed the finger at North Korean state-backed Lazarus Group as being behind the attacking of its internal systems, which allowed them to steal $37.3 million on July 22nd. They say, we suspect Lazarus Group, one of the most powerful hacker organizations, is responsible, CoinSpade says. While CoinSpade didn't explain how the money was stolen, the incident forced the firm to halt operations for four days. CoinSpade confirmed that operations are back up and running in a new limited environment. The firm added that customer funds remain intact, but considerable damage was done to the platform and the firm's balance sheet. Despite the huge exploit, CoinSpade believes the cybercrime organization were chasing a much larger sum. You know, I had a really amazing conversation with Max Krupyshev, who is the founder of CoinSpade and crypto processing in one of my crypto hipster podcasts a couple of years ago or a year ago. That was an amazing conversation. And they had, you know, um, these guys are well, some of the most ethical guys in the world. And it's unfortunate that these North Korean hackers are, you know, really rampant. Um, but, you know, let's uh, wish for them the best. You know, uh, Max says he's confident that Lazarus Group will be held accountable for their actions. He says, he says, we have no doubt the hackers won't escape justice. Let's hope they don't. Okay. Let's hope they don't escape justice. All right. Let me know your thoughts. And hey, if you have the opportunity, listen to my podcast with Max. You know, it was a really, really good one. Okay. So then we're going to move to Germany now. Going, so we started in France, we went to Estonia, and now we're in Germany. All right. Binance has withdrawn, Binance has withdrawn its cryptocurrency custody license application in Germany. The exchange confirmed its withdrawal to uh, on July 26, nearly a month after rejections from the German Federal Financial Supervisory Authority, Boffin. On June 29, Boffin reportedly rejected the crypto exchange's custody license. However, at that time, it was unclear whether the regulator officially denied Binance's application or if it verbally informed the company. However, Binance has now confirmed it has formally withdrawn its license application. Let me know your thoughts on that. What's going to go into Germany? Who's going to be there? I don't know. They also had a problem in the Netherlands. And speaking of the Netherlands, Crypto.com has registered in the Netherlands and is cleared to advertise services. Crypto.com has received the green light from the Dutch Central Bank to offer its services in the country. The exchange announced that it had registered as a cryptocurrency service provider with De Nederlandse Bank. Following a comprehensive review of Crypto.com's business and compliance with the country's anti-money laundering and counterfinancing of terrorism requirements, the uh, as previously reported, 36 cryptocurrency-related businesses are currently registered with the Dutch Central Bank, including Coinbase Europe, eToro, and Bitstamp. Um, how's that going to go? Let me know if that's a good thing. I think it sounds like a good thing. Let me know your thoughts. Uh, and then we're going to end in, in Europe. We're going to end in Russia. Putin has signed the law on introduction of digital assets in Russia. Russia is moving forward with a central bank digital currency. As Vladimir Putin signed the digital ruble bill into law uh, this past week, according to the government, with the approval of the digital ruble laws officially scheduled to take effect starting August 1st of this year with all but one rule ready to be enforced. 
Um, Article number three, which includes amendments to several Russian federal laws, includes those laws related to bankruptcy and inheritance is expected to take first, uh, take effect in August 1st, 2024. So everything else is going as planned. Um, How's the Russian ruble going to make out? Let me know your thoughts. And now we can move to Asia. Okay. Let's start with Singapore. Singapore High Court has ruled crypto is personal property and has compared it to money. Cryptocurrency is a property capable of being held in trust. Judge Philip Jairithnam of the High Court of Singapore ruled on July 25th. The judge said he didn't see any difference between crypto, fiat money, or shells. As long as they are objects, physical or not, share value created by mutual faith in them. So that's why the government, that's why the U.S. dollar has money, has is money. There's mutual faith in the U.S. government and military, just like the judge said over in Singapore that there's faith in crypto and faith in fiat or faith in shells, it is money. That ties right into the Austrian economics model, which is a much better model than the Keynesians model, but this is not an economics show. Uh, the uh, Philip, Judge Philip says his ruling is brought down by a, ca- by a case by Bybit against his former employee, Ho Kai Zin. Bybit claimed the staff member transferred around $4.2 million of Tether from the crypto exchange to her private accounts. The court has now ordered Ho who has accused a non-present cousin of controlling the relevant accounts to return the money to Bybit. While the decision may seem obvious, it contains some formulations important to the juridical status of digital assets. The judge calls the stolen tether, as well as cryptocurrencies in general, property, even though they don't have any physical presence. It is property. It is. And it's money. And it's valuable. And it's crypto, whether you people think that's a joke or not, it's value. So, let me know about the judge's ruling. How's it going to go in Singapore? What's going on? Japan. Japan PM reaffirms Web3 plans as Binance announces imminent launch. Whoa. Okay. Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida reaffirmed the country's commitment to fostering the Web3 industry highlighting its potential to transform the internet and kindle social change. Kashida made the comments in a keynote address on day one of the WebEx conference in Tokyo. Um, On the same day, Binance CEO CZ announced that cryptocurrency exchange would launch its services on a new Japanese platform in August of this year. Okay. Looks like we're moving, Japan's moving forward now. Kishida highlighted the Web3's potential to drive innovation across industries and highlighted the event's role in bringing industry players to Japan to drive collaboration. He says, I hope the Web3 industry will regain its attention and vitality and that various new projects will be born. What are the good things that are happening in Japan out of crypto and blockchain in Japan and CZ and Binance in Japan? Are we going to have supply chain on sushi? That's one question. It's my question. It might not be yours, but um, yeah, I like to see that. Fresh fish. Talking about fish earlier. Fish is good. I like it. I'm going to have, I'm hungry. I want lunch. Anyway, 
Hong Kong and Saudi Arabia collaborate on tokens and payments. Um, let's see, Hong Kong. Hong Kong is expecting is expanding its financial collaboration with the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. It's targeting tokenization and payments infrastructure agreements. On July 26, yesterday, the Saudi Central Bank and the Hong Kong Monetary Authority held a bilateral meeting to strengthen the integration of financial services between the two countries. As part of the meeting agenda, the HKMA and SAMA discussed initiatives such as financial infrastructure development, open market operations, market connectivity, and sustainable development. The central banks also signed a memorandum of understanding to promote joint discussions on financial innovation. According to a joint announcement, Hong Kong and Saudi Arabia's authorities also took the opportunity to share their expertise in areas like tokenization, payment infrastructure, and supervision technologies. How's this partnership going to work and benefit both Hong Kong and Saudi Arabia? Let me know your thoughts. Okay. South Korea. South Korean banks research stablecoin CBDC alternatives. Several private banks in South Korea are studying the potential of tokenized deposit technology, an alternative to both private stablecoins and central bank digital currencies. It's called tokenized deposit technology. According to a report from Miley Business News Korea, Hana Bank, and Worry Bank, both private enterprises with headquarters in Seoul, showed interest in so-called certificate of deposit tokens. It's kind of like hex, right? CDs are tokenized bank deposits put on the blockchain, replacing customary notes and deposits without disrupting the existing banking system. CDs also require identity verification of the same standards as any traditional bank service. Hanna Bank plans to research CD tokens, while Worry Bank Research Department has recently reposed re released a report on the tokens. From the banker's perspective, it seems CDs have a few disadvantages. Uh, CDs are perceived as stable from the bank's perspective since they don't, they don't differ significantly from the current system, but there were failures um, of stable coins, so they are a little weary. Weary is weary. Interesting. Okay. And I said it like that, so I didn't do a tongue twister and stumble over my stammer over my words. Let's go. Okay, we have one more place in Asia. I've never heard of this before in my life, and I've heard most of the countries in the world. But let's go there. It's called Kyrgyz. Kyrgyz. Kyrgyz? Kyrgyz. I'm going to call it Kyrgyz. The Kyrgyz Republic, a Central Asian state bordering China is reportedly growing its cryptocurrency mining powers with the support of local government. Kyrgyz President Sadir Japarov has given a nod to building a crypto mining farm at a hydroelectric power plant. Kyrgyzstan's national news agency, Kabar, reported on, on today. The government of Kyrgyzstan, I'm going to call it Kyrgyzstan, plans to spend up $20 million to build a cryptocurrency mining facility at the Kambar Atta 2 hydropower plant. According to the president, running a crypto mining farm will allow the government to avoid energy losses associated with non-used power from the power plant. Uh, since launching Kambar Atta 2 in 2010, 
Kyrgyzstan has lost 6.8 billion kilowatt hours of energy due to the issue, Japarov reportedly said. But he says, as soon as the mining farm starts working and the earned money will go to the power engineers, or to be more precise, to the ordinary people, each tie-in, every kilowatt hour, will be under the control of power engineers. Everything will be automated and under our control. Let me know your thoughts. You want to go vacation in Kyrgyzstan. Let me know what you think. And then we have two places left in the world to talk about. First is Namibia. Namibia is in Africa. Let's go to Africa. Namibia has signed a crypto exchange regulation bill into law. The Namibian government officially signed a law to regulate virtual asset service providers operating in the country last week reversing its original 2017 decision to ban crypto exchanges. The VASP regulating law was inserted into the Gazette of the Republic of Namibia after previously being approved in Namibia's National Assembly on July 6th and signed by President Hague on July 14. The bill called the Namibia Virtual Assets Act of 2023 aims to assign a regulatory authority to supervise crypto exchanges in the country. It is a first law laying out how the country should regulate cryptocurrency-related activities. It will enter into a force at date determined by the Ministry of Finance. How's that going to go? Let me know what you think. Is it now Namibia on your travel destination location? Okay. And then Australasia. I call it Australasia because it's not just Australia and New Zealand and not just Fiji, but there's something else. There's Palu. I've never been to Palu. Have you? Have you been to Palu? The government of Palu was set to begin a pilot project for the U.S. dollar-based stablecoin on uh, Wednesday. The new coin will be issued on the XRP ledger. The country will release the first Palu stablecoins in the pilot project to government employees. This comes um, after testing using volunteers to make purchases with various devices. The PSC, nicknamed the Clock, possibly due to its bird logo, is the latest project to run on the Ripple CBDC platform that debuted in May. Ripple claimed that at the time to be in talks with over 20 governments about central bank digital currency issuance. The agreement with the Palu predates the new Ripple product, however. Ripple's partnership with Palu was announced in 2021. Yeah, 2021. That's many, many, many thousands of years now. Yeah, no, 2021. The target launch date in 2022. All right. Palu is spread across a group of islands in Oceania, Australasia, Oceania, region of the Pacific. It has a population of slightly more than 18,000 and uses the U.S. dollar as its national currency. And it since it's an island, it's got to be a, a great lo- location to go on a vacation. And speaking of vacation, I think I'm done for the day. I think that's it. I'm wiped out. This was a great news day, great news week, lots of things happening. The doldrums of summer is not the doldrums in crypto. There's more news this week. And the rest of the early part of the year when everybody's working and kids are in school and all that jazz, we got some things going on now in the industry that makes it really look forward to, to the second half of the year. And the first thing to look forward to the second half of the year, this coming 
week, I think it's Monday, is the next Litecoin halving. We're days away. What's going to happen? Is the market going to prop up? Is it going to fall back? What's it going to do? Keep a sharp eye out there what's going on. Anyway, this has been episode 50 of the X Factor with the Crypto Hipster. Have a lovely, amazing, wonderful, awesome, incredible, fantastic week. And I will see you next week and every week on Friday on the X Factor with the Crypto Hipster.